I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um... He made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 391 of Low Limit Football on this 4th of June, 2023. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Jose Mourinho loses his first European final as Roma are beaten in penalties by Sevilla after a 1-1 draw in the Europa League final. The silly season we call the summer transfer window is in full swing with huge names on the move, including Lionel Messi, Sergio Ramos, Karim Benzema, Eden Hazard, Zlatan Ibrahim, and Marco Asensio. But before we deal with all the moves and all the madness that's to come in this summer, we still have to play the biggest annual football match in the world, the Champions League final. And we're going to preview that match with you with uh, two very special guests. For the Inter Milan side, we're going to have Nima Tavile from SempreInter.com and the Italian Football Podcast. And for the Manchester City side, we're going to have Simon Baikowski, Chief Manchester City Writer for the Manchester Evening News, joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. Are you ready for the match on Saturday? I am. Hi, Joe. How are you? Um, hello to everyone listening. Yes, obviously, here we are now in June officially, you know, and, and that means obviously the games are finally being decided, you know, leagues are done um, by come this next weekend. We're obviously going to have, like you said, the biggest club game of the year, Manchester City taking on Inter in Istanbul uh, to decide if Inter could win their first Champions League in 13 years or Man City could win their first ever Champions League title and could be the second English team to win the treble after Manchester United did it back in 99. So yeah, definitely a lot of storylines, a lot of things to talk about. We had two great guests on to really speak about the two sides and you know what their chances are to win the Champions League. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this game and hopefully it'll be a, an entertaining one come this weekend. Absolutely. And we've got a few things going on this week. We've got the Conference League final. We've got the U20 World Cup that is starting to wind down and getting into the semifinal level of the tournament. So, you know, there, there's plenty to talk about, but obviously the the Manchester City Inter Milan match is going to take uh, front and center stage. So, um so for, with that in mind, this week's show is uh this week's pod is going to be um, something a little bit uh, different. We're not going to do your tr your traditional trivia. We're not going to do your traditional opening thoughts. We do have two 
incredibly well connected and very special guests. Um, one of them we did record yesterday, um, and uh, I, I, you know, not for nothing, I was pretty much a, a fanboy moment um, with where they were at. So uh, we're, we're going to bring that to you in just a little bit. So let's let's jump into it, Roberto. Right? Let's talk about it. You know, Saturday, three o'clock, uh, Manchester, uh, Manchester City, Inter Milan. Both teams coming off of wins uh, on this weekend. Manchester City uh, on the path to their trouble, like you had mentioned, uh, with a 2-1 victory over Manchester United in the FA Cup final uh, just yesterday. And uh, Inter Milan with a 1-0 victory to close out their season in Torino, uh, in turn against Torino, and uh, you know a Marcelo Brozovic goal. Let's talk about the FA Cup uh, real quick and how this will affect the team going into the, the, the Champions League final. Because we did have... Um, you know, a little bit of a, of a change in terms of what we would expect as the final, um, team. And actually, I would say, I would want to say that for both teams, uh, in both their matches. But I think, um, what you saw from both coaches this weekend was the ability to rotate, the ability to give you kind of a, a 15 or 16 man preview of their, of their sides and, and what they would, you know, what they plan to do in that, uh, Champions League final coming up next weekend. Uh, you got a great, 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 Great performance from Ilkay Gundogan. Um, should have had a hat trick, but did score the two goals for Manchester City in this match. Um, Erling Holland, you know, I want to ask you about him first because um, we expected so much more. You know, we, we've come to naturally expect him to just score goals at will, and he hasn't seemed to do that in the past few matches. Um, many teams have really keyed up on him, which have. Um, I don't know if it's a function of that or a function of City just knowing that they're going through the paces and kind of managing their way to this final. Um, but he doesn't look as effective to me as he did, let's say, midseason. So I'd like your thoughts first. Let's let's talk about Erling Holland um, and your thoughts on how he's playing right now and is he ready for this Champions League final? I mean, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you, Joe. Come on. Really? You're going to talk about someone that scored 52 goals in 52 games falling off just a bit? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is that he hasn't, you haven't seen the prolific goal scoring out of him that you've seen recently. You know what I mean? That, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, I yeah, expected. But, but, but someone's already, he's already broken so many records. You're already expecting so much. He, he's always been effective. And, and, you know, he's also been, not just as the goal scorer, he's also been like kind of the, the creator as well. You saw that in, I think, one of the games, I think it was against Brighton. He's also there, you know, to function properly, even in the FA Cup final. So I wouldn't say that just because he hasn't been scoring that he hasn't been effective. So I think, no, he, he's going to be vital regardless of him not scoring or him scoring as well. So I, I think, no, it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's important. Look, it's important for him to be on the right form. I think, you know, certainly him scoring would be very much important. But again, Joey, are you really going to go against the guy who scored 52 goals in 52 games? Three goals, one assist in his last 10 matches. That's that's good for since, some. Since April no, 30th. But yeah, but, yeah, but it's good for some, but, but is it good for Erling Holland? Well, I mean, after the season he's had, I'm sure he's going to want to, like, you know, no one's going to be perfect like this that he's had. No one's going to have a season that he's ever had. I mean, to break Premier League records to, to score 12 goals in the Champions League. You know, like I said, to hit 50 goals where we're accustomed to see Messi and Ronaldo do such things. And you got someone at 22, yeah, 22, breaking in their first season in a much more intense league. Not, nothing against La Liga, obviously, but definitely a much more competitive league and more intense with so many games are happening. No, this is, I think he's going to be fantastic in, in the final. I think he's the one that has to show up. But, but like you said, there are ways to definitely stop him. But that doesn't mean other players around Man City can't be able to step up like we saw with Gundogan as well. All right, first prediction. Does, does Erling Holland score in the Champions League final? 
Well, that's that's making my prediction. Yeah, I, I can't I can't say that yet. I don't know what you. What All, do right. You do? All right, we'll save that one. We're gonna we're we'll gonna save that. We'll, we'll save, save that it, one yeah, to the end of the show. Well, but but here's the thing. He, I think you know he's yes for his standards. I think he'd like to. I personally thought he was gonna hit sixty by the end of the year, mm-hmm. uh, by the end of the season. But he's hit fifty two, which you know is not bad. I mean, considering how many players have hit fifty goals in all competitions uh, over the last ten twenty years. Like I said, Messi, Ronaldo, I think Suarez maybe have done such a thing, or maybe someone else, but. No, come on. This, this, he's going to be so effective and so important, regardless if he's going to be scoring or not. Yes, obviously, the main point of him showing up for in a final like this, in a game like this, is for him to score goals, to, to win games. That's always mm-hmm. been – that's kind of why City had brought him and why City have you know really transformed their season in, in, in the way that they are still in contention now for a treble. You know, for them to – you know, for him to do this. And, I mean, he's broken – a lot of records already. He's won the awards, you know, Player of the Year, Golden Booth, all that kind of stuff. No, I think he's. I think he's definitely going to be very much an important piece on this Man City side, scoring or not. All right, then I'll give you a, a striker that's in better form right now on the other side of the pitch, I, and mm-hmm. I can give you two of them actually, because um, Lautaro Martinez and I'm just totally, I'm just tallying the the totals up right now in his last ten matches: two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine goals and three assists. And if we don't want to use uh, Lautaro Martinez, Romelu Lukaku is actually on the surge right now. He's got five goals and four assists in his last ten matches. Uh, you've got to expect both of them to start. I don't think Eden Dzeko starts, and we're going to have to ask Nima Tavale that question. Um, but as uh, you know, from the Manchester City side, you're looking at these two strikers that are really in form in their last ten matches. Um, how do you manage that? Well, I think you, you manage it by def- by playing the way that City have played, you know, trying to defend it off, you know, from the likes of Ruben Diaz and John Stones, you know, the, the fact that they're using this kind of front three in order to to push more defenders uh, back if they need to, you know, using the, the fullbacks like Stones and Rodri if, if need to be. But I think the way that you stop that is, is doing that, like, you know, but it's not just him, you know, like I said, you always have to look at players like Barella and Chanalu and... And all those other guys that have been able to be so creative. But I think, you know, stopping a player like Lautaro and even Lukaku as well is going to be a big task, as is for these defenders on Inter trying to stop Erling Haaland and, and, and Grealish and De Bruyne and, you know, that front four of, of, of talented players. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot at stake. And I think, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how both teams set up. I think Guardiola and Inzaghi have two different ways of of playing football, you know, Pep is obviously much more, um, you know, obviously more um, effective in the way that he plays and just trying to be more, you know, building up the play and, and playing on with possession, whereas Inter and, and, and Inzaghi are more fast, they're more direct, you know, they like to use their fullbacks and go forward. So, yeah, you have a, as much as it's a David and Goliath in this circumstance, because I think City are the major favorites in this one and it happened since the final was announced, I think you still have two different styles one that like to you know be a bit more slow in the way that they build up their games and then try to utilize all their players effectively whereas inter they're going to go all guns blazing and trying to to, to kill and, and give that kind of sucker punch uh from the get-go yeah i, I think you're right I, I think you know looking at it from the city standpoint the way you handle these two strikers is is defense by offense right possession 
Um, if you have the ball, they don't have it. They can't score. So I, I think that's going to be one way City with their with their incredible midfield. And we, we've we've talked about it at you know ad nauseum at this point um, this season. I think that's going to be one of the ways that they're going to defend Lukaku and Lautaro at that point. Um, and try to hope that they can uh, fight off a, a, a counterattack that you know Simone Inzaghi is is definitely known for. I, I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see a solid defensive shell from Inter Milan. Uh, you're going to find a team that is going to be very, very hard to break down. You're not going to see like a, a Max Allegri one nil situation, right? Where, where he's going to, you know, try to sneak a goal and then hunker down the rest of the game. I think it'll still be a little more free flowing than that. But uh, I think the best way to, if I'm Inter Milan, to beat Manchester City is to play solid defense, score on the counter, make them feel uncomfortable. We saw United do that a few times yesterday. Um, where United was able to counter effectively and and really make City uncomfortable in the back. And I think that's kind of the blueprint that I think many teams have used over the season is is to do something like that. You know, defend well, counter effectively and 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 take their chances from there. From the from the City side, obviously it's going to take a lot of clean, crisp, quality passing, um, you know, diagonals, that sort of thing. Switching the field, making making Inter move out of position, stretching them a little bit. I think that's going to be the key for City to kind of open them up and and then do what they do best, which is then that quick passing one two. We saw it a couple times um, yesterday in in uh, in the FA Cup final, and and really you know take it to them that way. And I think that's those are the, I think the blueprints that we're going to see for tomorrow. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, not tomorrow for for next Saturday in the uh, in the final. Um, would you change anything from that blueprint, Roberto? It would have you seen anything over the season that would cause you to think a little differently? Um, that you know maybe Pep does this or maybe Inzaghi does that. Anything that you've seen that would would change that opinion? I personally don't think so because I think you know you have your strongest team. Like you know, I'll say with City, like you have Ederson and goal. You're going to play your your back three of Stones, Akanji, and Ake, um, or, or sorry, Ruben Diaz, and then you're yeah, so take out Stones, and you have Ruben right. um, Stones and Rodri playing in that like back two there because they kind of change formation. It's like a three four. It's like a three two four one. I think something Correct. like that. Yep. So yeah, so they have that. Then your front four of Grealish, um, De Bruyne, Gundogan, and I think Bernardo Silva. Yes, you can maybe make a an, an argument for Riyad Mahrez, but I think Bernardo Silva is more effective and he's more creative in, in the way that he plays and obviously you have Harling Holland up top and then you look at Inter you know you have you know not unfortunately but you have someone like Joana who I think is, can make a great case of being the best goalkeeper in the world after his season so you have him there you have your back three of Bastonia, Cherby and Darmian then you have like kind of a, a, a five midfield with Brozovic playing all the way back and then you have Di Marco, Chanalu, Barella and I think Dumfries as you know, DeMarco, Dumfries playing as your wing back. And then your front two of uh, Lula, uh, Latado, and Lukaku. So I mm-hmm. think, yeah, I mean, I, I personally, uh, you know, maybe maybe Mkhitaryan makes some sort of effective change. But I I personally don't think both Inzaghi and Pep have to make any changes with, with their squads. I think the ones that I've told you personally are probably the, the ones that are going to be playing the final yeah. In Istanbul, um, you know, one thing I am surprised is, um, you know, we've we've had the reports that Milan Skriniar is going to PSG at the end of the season. I, th- I believe the contract's already been signed. Um, how that has not been a distraction for Inter Milan, I think, is a credit to 
you know, uh, enter and their front office, their their coaching staff, and even their players to maintain the focus that they've needed to 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 stay on the course here uh, going to the Champions League final. Because that has been a, a bit of a distraction over the past few months. Because for me, Milan Skriniar was one of their better defenders, and um, you know, for him to, to to have this happen, I think has also been a credit to, to their focus, and, uh, and and I think it's going to be something that is going to serve them well come up uh, next Saturday. So, let's um. Let's move ahead with with our interviews because we, um, you know, we, we've got two incredible guests um, that are closely tied to both sides uh, and can bring us uh, the information that, that we would hope for for the Champions League final. So um, first up, we will uh, reach out to uh, Nima Tavale, have Nima Tavale on, our great friend uh, from Semper Inter and the Italian football podcast, who is well, well tied into Inter Milan and, and their comings and goings. So without further ado, the Nima Tavale interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from SemperInter.com and the Italian Football Podcast, our great friend Nima Tavale. Nima, welcome back. It is always great to have you on the show. Roberto and I were just debating the striker situation for both teams uh, leading into this one, how I feel that Erling Holland has been a little bit off the boil in his last 10 matches, uh, only three goals, one assist, while we've seen Romelu Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez really pick up the goal-scoring pace uh, for Inter Milan in the last 10 matches. So from from an Inter Milan standpoint, looking at Erling Holland and how he's fallen off an incredible, incredible boil um, that has been the entire season for him, with him kind of slowing down his, his pace, is this something that you think bodes well for Inter uh, going into this match? I, I don't. I don't really see it that way. Yes, I know those numbers you bring up are true, but I. I don't look at it like he's been like like he's he's declined in form or, or or anything like that. I feel more like it's been a kind of situation where he's. It's been they. He's he's basically conserving energy, uh, is how I see it. I feel that he's. It's been a long season. Uh, he scored an, a ridiculous amount of goals for City in the Premier League and, the, and in the Champions League. So I, I don't, you know, I, I think it's more an issue of him basically wanting to turn up for the Champions League final, uh, a combination of many things, but I think mainly it's, it's turning up for the Champions League final at the biggest stage and delivering uh, at that point. I don't, I don't think it's a concern for City at all. Uh, we've seen what he can do. Uh, throughout his career, and this season, we've seen what he can do at a world-class team like Manchester City. So, um, I'm not—I wouldn't be concerned from a City point of view. Uh, Inter have to, regardless, regardless of Haaland's form, Haaland's form, or anything like that, they have to be perfect defensively. They have to completely know that this they have to play the perfect game. Uh, it's not just Haaland at City; it's, it's lots of world-class players. And they have to be able to to neutralise that threat, whilst also, of course, looking forward and up the pitch themselves to Lautaro and hopefully Lukaku in order to 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 win that game. You know, I'll, we'll go into like kind of the tactical aspect in just a bit, but I want to throw a little bit of a wild card to you, Nima. And you know, we've had you on all season. We've had you in previous seasons. We obviously this is the first time that we're going to have you on the podcast speaking about Inter in a Champions League final, first time in thirteen years. I, I gotta. Um, I'll ask you the simplest question, really. How are you feeling after the entire season that they've had and now just one game away from European glory? I think this season, uh, already in January, I, I started having these, started thinking about this. Um, and this is, to me, 
not the same thing, but very similar to the 93-94 season, uh, where Inter in the Serie A almost got relegated. That's how poor they were. But they won the UEFA Cup. And of course, the UEFA Cup back then was what the Champions League was in terms of the best teams from place two to four, five were, were in it. And, and Inter ended up winning that tournament. Uh, and the ownership, it was towards the end of that ownership, particular uh, owner, Pellegrini, uh, and, and, and that, you know, that kind of cycle was ending. There's a lot of similarities. Uh, I'm not, you know, that we know that Suning, you know, th their financial situation, and we know that they are open to selling the club if a bid that meets their demands comes in. So, uh, you know, after a few years of financial, you know, they've had to basically cut down the wages and they've had to sell big players in order to 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 follow into financial sustainability, as Beppe Marotta, the CEO, loves to 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 talk about. Um, so I, I see a lot of similarities with that season because it's been a very strange season. It's been a season where Inter finished third in the Serie A, yes, and that's a good thing uh, in terms of just the results. It's not good, but it's respectable. But they do so after 12 defeats in the league. And that is never acceptable if you are Inter. Never. And, and, you know, certainly I think for, for Inter's case, I mean, you know, winning this Champions League would mean a lot. You know, we're going to get your prediction in a bit and, and all that kind of stuff. But what would winning the Champions League mean to, to you, to the clubs, you know, to the, you know, to the ownership, even those that maybe will be open to selling? Like, what would this change for the club as a whole come next season? Uh, if, if Inter in 2023 with Edin Dzeko and Francesco Acerbi as key players were to somehow win the Champions League, it would be one of the greatest miracles in, in Inter's history um, and, and Italian, you know, Italian football generally because no one, myself included, had uh, Inter playing in the final of the Champions League this year. No one had them, uh, you know, saw them as a contender or even getting to a final. Um, so it it would be something truly, truly historic. Um, you know, Inter. This is Inter's sixth uh, Champions League final, if I'm not mistaken. And and uh, look, they've they've you know they they've not they're not exactly spoiled uh, with 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 you know we have three, but you know it's compared to other you know as much as Inter fans we don't like to admit this, but Milan are far more successful than us in the Champions League and. They've they built a dynasty when they, when they won those Champions Leagues. This Inter was an Inter in decline essentially, and to be able to get to the Champions League final, and if they were to win it and crown it, it would be truly truly historic. And Simone Inzaghi would forever write his name as the third greatest Inter coach in terms of you know in terms of achievement, somewhere there with Trapattoni. I'd say, uh, because yes, he hasn't won the Scudetto, but a Champions League trophy, that's only ever happened three times in Inter's history, and never an Italian with an Italian coach. You know, Helenio Herrera and Jose Mourinho were not Italian by birth or, or, or you know. So it's it would truly be historic in, in, in many, many, many ways. Now, looking into this game, of course, you know, certainly everyone's going to be talking about how kind of, you know, like you said, spoiled for riches. I mean, there's no other club in the world that's kind of spoiled for riches right now than we see with Manchester City, because certainly, obviously, we, we mentioned Erling Haaland 
right at the beginning of the of the show, but we've seen the likes of how players like Gundogan and De Bruyne, Grealish, you look at even the, the defense with the likes of, you know, Ruben Diaz, uh, Ederson and goal. So, and, and really looking at Inter where, you know, everyone's going to be obviously talking about what's going to happen with Lautaro Lukaku really finding their form. But, you know, if, you know, Inter are going to win this game, how do you see it happening? And, you know, who are those vital players that need to step it up in order to cancel out the likes of Haaland, De Bruyne, Grealish, Gundogan and so on? Look, tactically, I think Inter have to play not exactly like uh, Antonio Conte uh, at Spurs, but very similar to it because he's basically shown that this city is is vulnerable defensively when you beat their ridiculously intense and high first press. Uh, and I think that's what Inter need to do. They need to be compact and solid. They need to do the work off the ball, the very difficult work off the ball, uh, and stay compact, stay solid, stay organized. And when they win the ball, uh, they have to try to play that play a high ball, long high ball up to someone like uh, Romelu Lukaku, uh, who's, who did that for Inter and Antonio Conte for two years very successfully. That's the kind of, I think that's what you have to do when you play against Manchester City. I think if you want to play your way out of it by passing your way past Manchester City's press, I think you're going to have lots of problems and I think you're going to going to run into to, to lots of issues. Having said that, Interstrength is exactly that. It's a very versatile team. It's a team that can play in very many ways. It's a team that can play in low defensive blocks. It can play that kind of uh, counter-attacking style uh, under uh, Antonio Conte and to some extent also in Europe under Simone Inzaghi. But in the Serie A and, and, and also domestic, you know, in domestically and also in, in the Champions League in some other, some few games, you can also see an Inter who knows how to control, patiently build uh, part of, and have a very, very, very astute passing game. I mean, I think... For example, if we look at the, 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 the a couple of weeks ago when they played Roma at the Stadio Olimpico, that goal came after 47 passes. Very patient build-up. Uh, so Inter can do that as well. And they can they can also, they have struggled in the past, uh, this season especially, against teams that defend in low blocks. But when Inter have a full squad, when all Inter players are, are fit and match fit, like they seem to have now, barring Milan Skriniar, then Inter have the quality to break down those kinds of defences. That's all moot point now because Manchester City are not going to park the bus. This is that's just not how Pep Guardiola plays. That's just not in his. That's his, his philosophy. It's not his philosophy. So Inter, I think, will will play the way they have done in the Champions League so far, especially against Barcelona uh, and Bayern Munich uh, in the group stage, and and to a lesser extent also against uh, Benfica and. Uh, uh, and Milan and, and Porto and so on. So they know how to, you know, they, they they played Liverpool and Real Madrid last season, most of these players. So there is that experience. So they did really well in those games. So the experience is there. Uh, the core of the players, uh, the, the, the experienced core of the players have played these kinds of matches. Yes, they've never been in a Champions League final, but Barella and Bastoni uh, are European champions. Uh, Lautaro Martinez is a FIFA World Cup winner. He's a Copa America winner. Uh, this team alone has won five trophies domestically in Italy in the last few years and played another final in the Europa League as well. So th- there is experience there and they are winners. So it's uh, Inter's big players have to turn up. Uh, but above all, everyone has to follow the game plan and everyone has to play the perfect, perfect 
game defensively. And when the, when the, when the chances come, they have to take them. They, they can't afford to squander uh, chances. Now, you know, obviously something that's kind of, and I want to switch gears to City in just a bit, because certainly this has been something that you've kind of been speaking about, I think, you know, on Twitter and whatnot, about these kind of charges that, you know, Man City have been kind of clouded in them um, <clears throat> over the last few weeks. You know, I guess for you, I guess we're going to go a bit personal on this one. How much sweeter would it be for you to win the Champions League against the City side when this indeed could indeed happen to them where they've allegedly broken all these breaches and could face a lot of, um, you know, uh, punishments. Well, I, I just think if you want to understand what happened, all you need to do is to go and Google, go on Google and type in football leaks, uh, Der Spiegel and Manchester City, and then do your reading and then you'll see what, what was uncovered and what the situation is. Um, I, it would, of course, be an even sweeter if we take into consideration that the last two transfer windows uh, Inter, the first one, turned a profit of 140 million euros, selling Hakimi and Lukaku. And the second one last season turned around, turned a net profit of around 40, 45 million euros as well. So essentially, we're talking about a team who, over the last two years, has a net positive on the transfer window of 180, 190 million euros. And then you contrast that with Manchester City. And I mean, that's nothing for them. I mean, you know, if you look at how much they've invested in that squad and the wages they pay, uh, it's, you know, it, it just becomes so stark. The difference becomes so stark. Um, so, you know, of course it would be very sweet to 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 hit them on the nose there. Um, but, you know, for, because it, it, I think that the, the issue is that with, with, with what happens with City and PSG and so on is that when you allow this to go on for for a long time unpunished, then you're essentially killing the game because they just hoover up all the, all the best players uh, and they shouldn't be allowed to. And everyone else is, is kind of left following the rules and laws and can't compete. It becomes really, really strange. So there needs to be some accountability. UEFA convicted them. They appealed to the, court, the, arbit- the court, uh, arbitration court for sport and they were cleared. Many of those charges that they were cleared of uh, were in the verdict say that they were brought too late. So it was, they were inadmissible because of that. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, the Premier League, I mean, if we go back to the Serie A, I, 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 you know, many people criticized what the FIGC gave in total to Juve for what they did. But at least they gave something. Uh, <laughs> and, and the Premier League has to this day and UEFA to this day haven't really done anything to, the biggest, uh, to those who are the biggest culprits in this regard. Remember, Nima, I thought Super League bad, right? That was the story? Super yeah, League? Yeah. yeah, right. Super League, was, <laughs> Super League was was killing football. It's always important to remember that. That's right. That, it, you know, it, it's, it's a farce, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and because we already have a Super League, uh, it's the English Super League. It goes under the name the Premier League. And if the others want to survive and compete, they have to do something. And I think the European Super League is an idea is a very good idea, and I think that it should... Uh, I hope that it comes to fruition. No, I hear you. I want to jump back into the match real quick because I, I agree with you. Roberto and I were talking earlier, and I think for Inter to, to have a chance to win this match, I think they need to be... Um, you know, they, they need to play 
you know, perfect defensively, uh, not let City stretch them with their passing, and then be able to counter effectively. And for me, if I had to pick one player that, you know, over the season that I think would be effective in that counterattacking role, it's Federico DiMarco. Now, he missed the match this weekend uh, against Torino due to injury. What is his status for this match? Um, will he be available and ready to go on uh, on Saturday? Yes, I, I think there's no... It was more a precaution, from what I understand, from Inter, more than an actual serious injury. It was more an issue of not wanting to risk him in a meaningless game, um, essentially, uh, because Inter already wrapped up Champions League football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not... Uh, you know, it was it was not... Uh, it wasn't anything... You know, concerning at least not from from what we're getting from Inter and hearing from Inter, they're very cool and calm and composed about it. The, so I think I think he'll start. I think the question is more whether or not you know what what happens with Milan Skriniar and Hendrik Mkhitaryan. Mm-hmm. Of, of course, Milan Skriniar has returned to full training um, after after a back injury and a back operation. He's got literally no minutes, uh, so I think it's impossible that he starts. Uh, but Hendrik Mkhitaryan. You know what's the status there? Does he recover in time? And if he does, uh, will he start? Personally, I think uh, this is a game where Inter are going to need all players involved in it. All five subs are going to have to turn up. So this is—it's it, not you know—it's—it's an issue of whoever comes on has to deliver the goods. And I'm far more comfortable with Hendrik Mkhitaryan coming on as a sub uh, for 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 for, for Chalanoglu once he he you know once he's you know tired and and, and exhausted because i think it's going to be one of those games where inter's midfield are going to have to run more than they've ever ran, ran before so i'd rather have mikitarian coming on rather than galliardini being my option mm-hmm. there so that's what i'm more concerned about and as for the striker position look lukaku's fit i thought he was really good against torino uh he's been good really, really recently as well for me i'd start lula uh, Lautaro and, and Lukaku, and to have Edin Dzeko come on at some point for 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 Lukaku, if you know, depending on how the game looks, is 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 also good to have because Dzeko I think is a much more efficient impact sub than Lukaku is. Lukaku needs minutes to get going in every game, and so that's and also of course you know his characteristics as a player offer into that out should they wish to play that long ball up, and and we've seen with Andre Onana, who's so incredibly skillful with the ball, uh, that Inter essentially used him as a right centre-back in a back four uh, in, in the build-up play, in build-up phase. Mm. So, you know, I think it's going to be... Uh, that's what, you know, I'd play Brozovic, Barella, Chalanoglu in midfield. I think Di Marco's definitely going to start. And there's going to be Dumfries, Darmian, Bastonia, Cherby. Uh, and then up front, hopefully, Lula uh, and, uh, yeah, Lautaro and Lukaku. Well, that was there goes my question of asking you what your starting eleven is. <laughs> it was yeah, no, that, that is that, that's uh, yeah. that has to be into starting eleven. I agree uh, because because that midfield with Chalanoglu, Barella, and, and um, Brozovic it, it, it is so versatile. It can do so many things, and so many of those players can do so many things. You know, Brozovic can be, helps the defensively standing, you know, in front of the defense, but also his patience will be needed, and he's also very press resistant. Chalanoglu is much more direct uh, when he when he plays, but he's also he's really improved and defensively. Uh, and of course, Barella is a machine; he's a tutto campista. Mm-hmm. So you know, they the, all of them can do everything, and they've the, you know, in terms of long shots, they're all really really good at that too. So th- that's my that's my midfield trio. So you know, let's get your prediction. Whether it brings you, uh, you know, grief or joy, what is your prediction for this final? 
Look, there's no doubt that Manchester City are overwhelming favourites. I think everybody knows this. Uh, it's it's evident that, that they are. But this is a one-off game, uh, a one-off final. Um, and any if Inter have the perfect day and they get their tactics spot on and they don't have any injuries and they can actually utilise the squad fully, then I do think Inter have a have a... 35-40% chance to beat, beat Man City. But it would be impossible for me to say anything else other than Manchester City will win because that's just how, that's just how it looks given how they, the depth of the squad, the quality of the players. It would be disingenuous of me to say, sit here and predict that Inter win. I think Man City will win, but I hope that I'm wrong. And, if, you know, I think it's, you know, like I said, it's uh, giving to a 30% chance. And I hope that, um, you know, next Saturday is one of those days where that 30% uh, transpires and okay. it's turned into reality. Care to give us a score? Oof. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, honestly, uh, I think, I think it's, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game, but say someone winning 2-1. 2-1. Okay. Nima, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, all the best next weekend. Um, give our best to Carlo and let him know that his prediction of two Italian teams winning uh, European Cups this season is still alive, uh, even though Mourinho messed it up for us. And, um, and all the best to you on the Italian football pod and Semper Inter. And we'll definitely speak again soon, my friend. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for inviting me on. I love what you guys do and keep doing what you're doing. And special thanks again for Nima Tavale for joining us on the show. Next up, we were joined yesterday by Simon Baikowski, the chief Manchester City writer for Manchester Evening News, as he was at Wembley Stadium for the FA Cup final, uh, gave us a few minutes of his time prior to the match, and which is uh, fantastic. And like I said earlier, was kind of a fanboy moment for me to interview somebody while they were live at Wembley for the FA Cup final. So without further ado, the Simon Baikowski interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from Wembley, the uh, writer for Manchester Evening News, Simon Baikowski. Simon, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you on, and thank you for joining us. It's such a, a historic place uh, in world football. I want to get uh, into it quickly and talk about Manchester City as they enter into the Champions League final against Inter Milan. The first question is, this team is returning from 2021, uh, where the Champions League final, where they lost to Chelsea. Um, aside from a couple of changes, Zinchenko's no longer with this side, Raheem Sterling's no longer with this side and obviously the big glaring addition of Erling Holland. What is different with this Manchester City side in your mind compared to that team in 2021? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult to say. Um, I think the biggest thing is experience, which sounds like a terrible thing to say because, you know, you, you sound experienced when you win and when you don't win, it's not there anymore. Um, but I think speaking to the players this season, they've kind of said, they're more used to being uncomfortable in matches. And it used to be that when things didn't go their way, and you maybe saw that against Lyon um, or even against Chelsea uh, in the, that final, where things don't go their way and they're unable to find a way back into the game. Whereas, say, Bayern Munich in the quarter this time, even Leipzig in the last 16, and certainly Real Madrid in the first leg in the semi, um, you get a team that is just more comfortable not being able to play their game plan. And then having that confidence to then find their way back and take control of the match. So it is kind of just that experience of the team and also the, the comfort at not having everything go their way and still being able to stick in matches when, when things are a bit tough. 
Now, Simon, just going into this final as a whole, I think we can honestly say, you know, even with the exception, obviously, of Inter Milan fans feeling as confident as they should be, I think City are big favorites for this match, and, and rightly so, given the fact that they have the strongest team of the two, you know, Premier League champions, and obviously gaining that experience that they've learned from that loss two years ago uh, against Chelsea. So, I mean... You know, I don't want to play, play negative here, but you know, for for City's case, if they do not win this Champions League, how much of a how much would this be perceived? The season would be perceived as a failure, assuming that they do indeed win the FA Cup final and and you know even get two trophies for a season. If they fail to win this Champions League after getting the additions that they have, the way that they've been playing, you know, what's what would be the perception, I guess, from City fans and from you know those involved with the club as well. Uh, I think as far as the club are concerned, uh, winning the Premier League would always be considered a good, a good season. Uh, I don't think it would be a failure not uh, winning the Champions League, given that they've won the Premier League. However, it is seen as a huge opportunity for City to do what they have never done before. And certainly more fans than ever are hungry to win the Champions League. They've always been keen to win the Premier League, but now it's you know five and six years now they... they they want that trophy that they haven't got. Um, and like you say, they are huge favourites against Inter. There is this kind of hoodoo over City as to like, when will they ever win the Champions League? And to lose against Chelsea in 2021 was very disappointing for them. And going in, you know, as such heavy favourites against Inter, knowing that if they play their game, they will win. It would be kind of more heartbreak and just leave sort of that kind of spectre um, hanging over City more than ever of of what do they possibly need to win the Champions League. Now, obviously, looking into this whole season as a whole, and, and really, you know, if they do indeed win the treble, you know, the first time that an English club has done it since their bid arrivals, Manchester United back in 99, how much of an effect would this mean, you know, for a city side that we've seen grow tremendously in winning FA Cups, winning Premier Leagues, winning other domestic titles, what would this trouble mean for not just the club, but for English football as a whole, you know, for, for a side that, you know, has been able to accomplish so much in so little time? Yeah, I mean, you can't kind of overstate the importance of the treble. It's so important um, and so rare to do, which is why, you know, United are the only ever English team to have done it and, and done it once. Um, you need a lot of luck to go with you. Um, and City kind of had that, I suppose, with the, the Sheffield United FA Cup draw in the semi-final after buying away. But, you know, other than that, they've come up against a very good Arsenal team uh, in the Premier League. They've had to get through, uh, you know, Arsenal and Chelsea in the FA Cup and Bayern and Real in the Champions League. So they've kind of managed injuries very well uh, to set up this this position. And, uh, you know, every season, apart from the first one that Pep has been at City. There have been the chance to win multiple trophies, but they've always fallen uh, at hurdles before this. So, you know, they know and the players have been speaking that it is a real chance for them to make history. Um, and with the FA Cup final as well, you know, being able to beat United would be enormous. 
Now, Simon, I, I want to jump in here because looking ahead to uh, how Manchester City attacks this Inter side, uh, a side that has uh, improved in their goalkeeping from from Samir Handanovic, they've gone to Andre Onana now. Uh, they they are very solid defensively. That's that's pretty well known around. Their midfield is very very strong. I think deceptively, and they've really gotten a, a surge out of Lautaro Martinez, where he is playing much much better at this point and starting to bang in goals. How does City come out and, and open this match against uh, Inter Milan? What do you suspect they will do? Will they be something more of a of a pressing side and really try to force those errors deep? Will they lay back a little bit and counter? How do you feel they open this match? Yeah, it's difficult. I think um, what City do have is they, they have more ways than they've ever had before to open a match. And certainly this season, you've seen the ability to go long and direct with Haaland and De Bruyne playing off him. Um, I think you will see a very similar team to the one that played against Bayern Munich, Real Madrid and, and United in the cup final um, with kind of, you know, that ability to, to go direct and sort of narrow, but also you've got Bernardo and uh, Grealish or maybe Foden and Grealish really stretching out wide um, to try and kind of pull out that into defence. Uh, so it, I think, you know, there will be those two prongs to it as they mug the space in the middle but if the space really isn't there and into a compacting then you will have the two wide players trying as hard as possible to pull out uh, that into the space to maybe open up some some space in the middle. And and finally before we let you go um, we would be remiss to not ask you a prediction so uh, any prediction for the final score um, and if you're not comfortable giving us a, a prediction of the winner um, maybe a prediction as to how things will turn out. I, I think um, I think City will win three one. I think it'll be pretty comfortable um, for them in the end. Uh, I think they'll kind of get a breakthrough in that first half and then stretch it and then uh, maybe Inter will get a goal a goal back. But as you say, City go in heavy favourites, and, and if they play near to their potential, then you would uh, expect them to be comfortable winners on the night. Fantastic stuff. Simon, thank you for joining us and helping us preview the Champions League final. Um, enjoy the match today from uh, Wembley, the FA Cup final between uh, Manchester City and Manchester United. Um, and for your sake, I hope uh, si- uh, Manchester is blue at the end of the day. Um, all the best to you, and we look forward to having you soon. Thanks for having me on. And special thanks again to Simon Bykowski for joining us on the show. Roberto, it's time for our predictions, right? And I'm, I want to rewind back to where we opened the show talking about Erling Holland and, and, and all that stuff. So we said we'd revisit this. Um, so prediction number one from both of us, does Erling Holland score in the Champions League final? Yes. I say no. Okay. Okay. Um, that does not mean that I don't think City will win, but I, I say no. Um for you, not so much a prediction, who is the one player that is going to mean the most for each side? I'll let you give me a team and a, a player that you are looking for first, and then I'll give you the other team and the player that I'm looking for the most. So I'll say City. Okay. And I think just because he's been so vital in recent games so far, and it's hard to believe that, you know, we're talking about a player that might not even be on this team next season. That's Ilkay Gundogan. I think he's mm. someone that has really emerged as a really, and he's always been a vital player, but you know, recently he knows what it takes to score in big games. And I think for him, not so much scoring, but at least being effective and being, you know, center stage, 
I think he's the one that is going to be a big factor um, in order if indeed City are going to win the the Champions League. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say him. And it's like I said, it's crazy to think that this might be a player that might not even be at City next season. It could be at Barcelona, it could be at Arsenal, it could be somewhere else. But I think my player is Ilkay Gundogan. Great shout out, and he's you know he has showed up big in big matches. Um, you know, most recently just at, at the FA Cup final. So for me, for City, um, I would say it's Jack Grealish. Uh, I think Grealish is that spark plug. That can either you know make or break you, and uh, and I, and I think if they, if City are going to really stretch uh, Inter Milan and their defense and really start to open up those holes, I think those those holes would start to be opened up by a guy like Jack Grealish with a, with great speed, great instinct, um, and the ability to kind of you know run up and down that side, I, I, that left side. I think he's the one for me. Um, that that would be one of the key factors in the city uh, in the city side to open up Inter. On the flip side. For Inter Milan, for me, um, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit when we talked to Nima, uh, is Federico Di Marco. Uh, I think for the same reasons Jack Grealish um, can effectively, um, you know, change what what uh, Inter do and and make it uh, more beneficial or more open for City. I think Di Marco is that guy that you know, as we said with Nima. Um, Inter is going to want to stay compact. They're going to want to stay disciplined, and then they're going to want to pounce when the moment is right. And I think the guy that pounces the best for them is DeMarco with his speed up and down the the left side of the pitch. Um, I know I want to give a shout out to Barella because of his, you know, like Nemo said, Nemo said he's he's a, he's a total player. But I think it all starts with DeMarco. If DeMarco is is flying up and down that side, and we also we saw Kyle Walker pick up a little bit of an injury uh, on the weekend. If if DeMarco is able to do what he likes to do, I think it could pose problems for City. Um, you know, as there as the press is broken. So for me, it's Demarco. How about you for Inter? Uh, I'm gonna say Barella. Okay, Barella. I think he's, he's someone that I have been able to watch, and you know, everyone has kind of put the the spotlight on like Savoana and and Lula as well, but I think someone like Barella could be very effective in, in trying to either cancel out what City can push forward or be able to be creative and, and, and charge forward to help uh, interwin okay. the, the Champions League. Okay. Uh, let's do predictions. Um, who do you got? You know, like like Nima said and, and like Simon said, you know, anything can happen in a final. It's a one-off. You know, we've seen surprises here and there. I mean, we've, we've seen shocks and, and whatnot, and I think the underdog stories are always nice to see. It's always good not to feel super confident because, you know, complacency comes into that. Mm-hmm. But having said that, as much as I think, in, you know, for Nima and a lot of Inter fans want to see this happening, I, I just don't see anything else but a Man City win. I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout by any stretch of the imagination, you know, but I just think the way that they played all season, the way that they finally have found, you know, that true number nine that they've kind of been missing since Sergio Aguero, you know, the fact that their team has been much more, you know, stable and effective on all fronts, goalkeeper, defense, and midfield. Um, looking at even some of the bench players that might not even start the final, like, I don't know, like Julian Alvarez or Phil Foden, those are two important players that would start on any team in the world. I just think that the way that City have been playing 
and you know for this project to finally achieve what they wanted to achieve for the last 15 years to win the Champions League after winning numerous domestic titles and always falling short in the Champions League something that PSG have never been able to do I think for City and the Abu Dhabi group to finally reach the crown uh, jewel in winning the Champions League will finally come true this Saturday I'm going to say City Manchester City to win the Champions League final um I'm going to say, you know, someone's winning, I say, I think 2-1, Holland scores. I'll say Grealish scores. And I think for Inter, I'll say Lukaku gets one for him, for Inter. I'll go Grealish and Gundogan. Um, I'll go um, Lautaro on the other side for Milan and I would say, or Inter Milan, and I would say 2-1. As well, I think um, I think the first fifteen to twenty minutes are going to be very very cagey, which I think plays into Inter's strengths. I think that uh, and and you know that's not a, a major prediction, right? I mean most most of these Champions League finals we've seen have started out cagey, no matter what, and as high flying as any team has been, like even Liverpool, Real Madrid, right? I you know it starts out a little even a little physical, a little chippy, and I think that is. There's there's definitely potential for that to happen here to open up this match, but I think um, you know the the first goal is going to be the the toughest. And again, th- these are all cliches at this point. Um, if Inter Milan can get that first goal on a counter, then I think it really is going to be problematic for uh, for, for City to be able to break them down because they'll hunker down even tighter. But I do think um, I do think City will have the ability to get that first goal. I think they'll have the ability to open them up. Um, I'm not so sure that first goal will come in the first half, but it certainly could. Uh, but I think the first 20 minutes will be cagey. Uh, I, I think it will be somewhat pretty on the Manchester City side with their passing because that's going to be what they need to do to open up Inter Milan. So we're going to see some pretty nice play um, for the general layman. Will they enjoy it? Maybe, maybe not. But I think uh, I think once the floodgate does open, I think we will see um, a little bit more of a high-flying match on both sides. But I do think ultimately... City will win this 2-1 um, and uh, and Pep will win a Champions League title from uh, someplace other than Barcelona and uh, and complete the trouble run as well. So let's give you some matches of the week coming up this week because the Champions League final is not the only thing going on and we're going to leave kind of the club competitions out of it. So I, I know Italy and um, and Spain are ending their seasons today. Uh, we do have MLS continuing on, but we're going to kind of leave them out of the mix because on Wednesday, we do have the Fiorentina-West Ham match in the Conference League final, Europa Conference League final at 3 p.m. On Thursday, we're going to look at the U-20 semifinals. Uh, two matches, one at 1.30, the other at 5 p.m. Uh, on Saturday, of course, the big one, Inter and uh, Manchester City at 3 p.m. And then on Sunday, you're going to get the U-20 World Cup final coming up this weekend. Uh, that match is at 5 p.m. Eastern time as well. So... Roberto, uh, again, no trivia. We, uh, you know, Champions League final heavy today, but without anything left on the plan, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So for episode 391 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Simon Baikowski and Nima Tavale for both joining us and helping us preview the Champions League final. Next week, we will give you our reaction to the Champions League final, the Europa uh, Conference final. Um, we'll talk a little bit about U20, and uh, we will move forward into the craziness of the summer transfer window. So for episode 391 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.